Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Los Angeles 2023. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it. But guess what? We ran out of those episodes. And then we did the spinoff, Golden Palace, but we ran out of those too. And now everyone together, what are we doing? We're doing whatever the hell we want. want. (laughs) That's right. Today, we are doing another installment of Beyond Golden Girls, where we cover the many film and TV projects that B, Betty, Rue, and Estelle did outside of the Golden Girls during the course of their illustrious careers. Mm-hmm. And today, we are covering a Rue project. We watched her guest star appearance in a 1997 episode of Murphy Brown titled Mama Miller, which is oh a play on Mama Mia. Yes. Oh, my God, she was so drag in this episode. She was so like drag. Do you know what I mean? Like from, I mean, we'll talk about it more, but I just wanted to put this out there. She was so drag in this episode. It's Break so- Break it down for me. Break it down. Tell because me. Because she was so it- over the top and she yes. was so, the clothes were dramatic and the, 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 the suit that she walked in in was so dramatic. And it was kind of, it was those moments on the Golden Girls because on the Golden Girls- Blanche often wore, she wore revealing stuff, of course, but it was often like flowy or very sort of like sexy. It was never necessarily regal. Do you know what I mean? It was never sort of like, except for maybe her wedding dress and a few other outfits, it never really sort of had, it was always sexy lady, whereas this woman is regal. And like Rue leaned in to the regalness of this and she was just sort of being like, a little shitty with people and like calling her son dummy. And like, it was just an attitude of a drag queen. It was the look of a drag queen. It was the responses of a drag. She was a drag queen in this episode. And it's so good. It was, it was so good. I, so in this episode, Rue's character to me was Barbara Thorndike in yes. the body of Blanche Devereaux. Yes. Yes. I mean, cause she had Blanche's accent, which I was so happy that she, I, anytime she uses her Blanche I accent think she in a kept role. that after Golden Girl. She was just like, this is just me now. I love it. The way yeah. like Megan Mullally, anything, I'm like, do the Karen, do the Karen. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, she was so Barbara Thorndike. She even wore a giant brooch, yeah. like when we meet her. Yeah. Um, also, her character's name is Virginia, yeah. which was kind of perfect. Yeah. I'm dying, Blanche. And apparently she's the mother of Robert Redford, which is really fitting for, I think, Rue McClanahan. I think she would very much enjoy being the mother of Robert Redford. Maybe the stepmother that she had a past relationship with. You know well, what I, mean? <laughs> I I had this in my notes, but I was like, when she said that she was the mother of Robert Redford, I was like, hang on a minute, because they kind of seem like the same They're age. The same They're age. only <laughs> they were only two years apart. Yeah. But then in that same thought process, I went, well, 
you know, Estelle Getty was younger than B. Arthur. Yes. So I guess we can't, you it's, know, it's for all, two years apart. It's all, it's television. We do need um, to talk about Murphy Brown because we do Murphy Brown, before we get into this episode, which will go through the beats of this episode, of course, but Murphy Brown, when Carrie texted me, cause Carrie's the one we, we both kind of come up with the ideas for the, for the, for the beyond golden girls episodes and stuff. We'll but, just pitch each other. Let's yeah, do this this week. Okay, exactly. great. Let's do this. It's very yeah. much, it's very much casual. And she texted, you texted me on, I don't know, Sunday or something. We're recording this on Monday. So yesterday, and you were like, what about this? Can I tell you? how hard it is to find Murphy Brown streaming. For years, it was not streaming. I love Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown was like my smart show when I was a kid. It was the show that I watched to feel smart and to feel funny, but also like to know the news. Because for anyone who isn't old enough to understand Murphy Brown, the impact of Murphy Brown, or like the impact of Murphy Brown on the zeitgeist of the 90s, it was insanely huge and on a level it won best comedy series multiple years in a row Candace Bergen was a child of Hollywood she's the son of I forget his name now but he was a really famous ventriloquist in the 40s and 50s she grew up in Hollywood she had birthday parties with Liza Minnelli like she was a Hollywood kid and she went on to be this great actress in films Oscar nominated like she was but she also was like a reporter and a photographer going around taking pictures for Life magazine she was a part of the counterculture movement she was kind of like everything in the 70s. And then in the 80s, she wanted to spend time with you know her kids and like wanted to have kids and all these things. And so she did this series and she got approached by Diane English who wanted to do this series. And it was political and it was comedic. And it was this woman who was single leading the way in this sort of like, she was kind of like the Barbara Walters if Barbara Walters was like more sassy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the, she was a single mom too. She, well, that so that was a big moment. So for the first few seasons on the show, she didn't have kids. And she was sort of like the antithesis of like a romantic lead or a mom or anything. She was just a businesswoman. That's who she was. She was a reporter. She went after the stories. And in like the third or fourth season, I forget what, she got pregnant. And the character, they wrote it into the character. The character accidentally got pregnant. She decided not to get married to the man she who was the father. And she decided to have this baby and be like a like the, the country's most leading reporter, her character, while pregnant and single. Like, can you imagine that? Like, if Barbara Walters in, like, the 80s got pregnant and she was single and she was pregnant talking to, like, Fidel Castro, it would be insane to watch. It just was so foreign. And... Uh, The vice president at the time, Dan Quayle, commented on the character and used Murphy Brown as an example of sort of like the diminishing morals of the country. And and they got back at him. Oh, my. There's a famous episode where they got back at him. And then, of course, he didn't help himself because he couldn't spell potato. And there was like a whole season of jokes at the expense of Dan Quayle. But Murphy Brown and Candace Bergen became sort of the instigator for a conversation about women, which, of course, then led to like. Uh, the Clarence Thomas Supreme Court hearings with, you know, Anita Bryant. And then, of course, you know, the 1992 election of all the women and like the two female senators elected to California. It was like the year of the woman. So all of that was happening around Murphy Brown. And it is just such an exciting show because like it did so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love I, I knew going into this one that you were going to be able to to give us like the sort of greater, bigger picture of Murphy Brown, because I, I watched it when I was younger, um, you know, cause it was on, I mean, it, it did, you know, 
10 seasons on CBS from 1988 to 1998. Then it was rebooted for an 11th season in 2018. An unfortunate, an unfortunate um, year. Because it wasn't, it wasn't the best reboot. It was like notoriously the worst reboot, which I felt bad. Yeah. So, you know, it was, you know, canceled after one season. Um, but I, growing up, I, I, my mom watched Murphy Brown, so I would watch it with her and it was a show I always enjoyed. I just remember how, I think I like had a crush on Miles, that character who I, I think is, too. he was in like the earlier season. I did too. <laughs> I had such a crush on him as a child. Um, so, uh. I do need to correct something. So I said Anita Bryant, which she's the, the, um. She was the horrible, like, anti-gay woman in the 70s. Yes, it's Anita the, Hill. It's Anita yes, Hill. Yes, Anita Hill. Anita yeah. Bryant got the pie in the face. Anita Hill yes, was the amazing woman who stood up to Clarice Thomas. It's because Thomas. we're talking about Golden Girls. Yes. Well, forgive me, Anita <laughs> yeah. Bryant. Yes, that's yeah. why. Yeah, it's yeah, because yeah. we have gold on the brain. <laughs> yes, yes. No, but you're right. I mean, I had a crush on Miles, too. And it was like, even though it was a smart show, like, you was even as a kid, you could find it funny. Like, it was funny still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it as a kid. There are certainly, I'm sure, like with the Golden Girls jokes that went over my head. Yeah. Um, but I haven't rewatched it as an adult, which is why when I when we watched this episode, there were the, the character Miller. I didn't even remember. Well, so, him. OK, let me explain this. So the, the show went through a lot of iterations for like the first maybe six seasons. It was the core cast, the cast that, you mm-hmm. know, and everyone knows. And then it kind of shifted up. And the character Miller initially was this sort of like pretty boy news anchor who came in and he was like sort of trying to grow his career basically as a news anchor. And he would sometimes do it. And he was sort of a comedic sort of foul on the show. Like he would kind of show up sometimes. But he wasn't really in the show that much other than a guest star role. And then in season, I think, seven, eight, nine, he came back on a more regular basis. So mm-hmm. he wasn't a familiar... Also, Lily Tomlin, who plays her executive assistant, there was mm-hmm. a whole running gag over the course of, like, the majority of the show that that um, Murphy Brown would just fire all of her assistants. And then they became mm-hmm. it became sort of, like, the gag to have the famous guest star spot be the assistant, be the secretary for Murphy Brown. So, like, Bette Midler would come in. And I think, like... I mean, ridiculously huge stars would come in to, be, get, to get fired by Murphy Brown, basically. And then I think Lily Tomlin came in in like season nine, maybe at the very end. And she was the one assistant that could stay like that. Like That's ma- fun. That could... I did enjoy seeing Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's so great. She's so funny. I'm obsessed with her. I do um, need to also say another fun thing about Murphy Brown that I love that has nothing to do with this episode, but it is one of my favorite things about Candace Bergen. So... Murphy Brown was kind of like the veep of its day. It won all the Emmys every single year. It was like always best comedy series, always, but specifically it was always best actress in a comedy series. Candace Bergen kept winning the Emmy. And I think around like season six or seven, after she had won like five times, like I think three in a row even, like she was like, this is becoming ridiculous. Like this is becoming too much. We need to stop. So she pulled her name from consideration. And over the years, everyone was like, oh, Helen Hunt is like the one who would win if Candace Bergen didn't always win. And she so was when, the Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Yes. So when Helen Hunt or when Candace Bergen, the first year Candace Bergen took her name out of consideration and Helen Hunt, of course, won. And then she proceeded to win every year after that. The first year that Helen Hunt won, she thanked Candace Bergen because it was uh, like. And she won for Mad About You. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, that's all I have about Murphy Brown. I'm ready to dive into this episode if you are. I'm just, a, I'm, I'm like, I'm sort of impressed that I know all of these things about Murphy Brown while at the same time, I'm like, like, I need to get out more. You know what I mean? Like, why do I, like, this is useless. Like, the, that fact about Helen Hunt is a useless piece of information. And um, you guess, are doing a public service to the Golden Girls community thank is you. what you are doing. Thank you. So thank you. don't feel bad. Okay. No. Okay. This is, okay. you're you're an educator, I'm H. An educator. Scott. I mean, hey, add another degree. Why not? <laughs> Let's get to it. Let's take a break and we'll come back back with the episode. Great. So before we dive in, I know I just said we're going to talk about the episode. We are going to talk about the episode. I have to say, Rue McClanahan in this episode had more screen time yeah. than almost anyone else. And yet Maybe... she didn't come in until like nine minutes in. Yes. And this is how you treat a golden girl in a guest star role. Mm -hmm. Her role was so big, there wasn't room for a B story in the episode. Like, yeah. well done, Murphy Brown. If you're going to have Rue McClanahan on the show, you give her some lines. Yes. You give her some scenes. Yes. And that's what they did. And I was so, so happy. This is what I've been waiting for mm -hmm. with a golden girl making a guest star. It's yeah. like, that is a that is a star that is a a genius. Mm -hmm. That is a comedic actor. You know what else? And I they think delivered when they. I mean, we're gonna tell what happened before she came. But like when she came, when she came off the elevator, which there was sort of a thing on Murphy Brown. It was all, the show always went in these beats. It started the beginning of the show. Usually started when they were on set anchoring the news, and then it went to the office space where everyone was sort of in the bullpen area, and they had the elevator that every guest star would enter through because it was sort of the grand entrance, sort of runway for them. Fun. And then it would go to Murphy's office, and there would be a scene in Murphy's office, which sometimes would go back and forth between the outside office and her office, and then it would go to Phil's, the diner, and then, wow. it, and then it would always end at, at Murphy's house usually. Usually. That's usually how most episodes went. It's kind of like the Golden Girls in that they would always kind of like maybe start in the kitchen. It would bleed into the living room. It would come back to the kitchen. Like it had a system to it that I remember wow. loving as a kid because it was just like I knew what was going to happen. You know what I mean? That is incredible. And if they were doing that intentionally and you're going to write your scenes that way, yeah. I mean, I guess that that is the sort of thing with multicam is it does feel a little bit more like theater. But then your stories mm -hmm. are you know, when you talk about like the moves in your story, it's like, okay, well, we know we got to end back at Murphy's house. That's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. But now if I watch more episodes, I'm definitely going to notice it on a bunch that. of, I mean, they didn't always do that, but it, you'll notice it on a lot of episodes. That's usually That's how it went. wild. Yeah. Um, no, I was so going to say, this... I'm sorry. I was going to say, oh, no, please. I was upset that Rue, and I think they probably just told the audience not to because of time, because there was so many Rue lines and the episode was so tight in the story. I was surprised there was no applause break for Rue when was the elevator too. opened, but I think that was intentional. I think they told the audience not to to keep the story going. Uh, I mean, also this maybe. show kind of had that too. This show really did not even though there is a laugh track, it did not rely on the laugh track in the same way other shows did, like The Golden Girls. It was a Murphy Brown was a unique show. Yeah, that's interesting about the applause break. I, too, was a bit surprised when there was no applause. Um, 
Yeah, it, it also could have been a thing where, like, if the applause was so big, they yeah. were like, hey, guys, let's do one without one. So you I don't like have Burt Bur- Reynolds standing in the doorway for yeah. half a minute. I like that. Um, I want to remember it that way. I want to think that happened. Yeah, I like to think that they it, the applause was, like, just so incredible. It was just a cacophony of people hooting and hollering and screaming and clapping and stomping their feet like they're, at, you know, at a, at a hoedown. Yeah. Uh, and that they were like, let's just get one without. And then that was the one that they used because she doesn't have very far to walk. Mm-hmm. So because she's coming off an elevator, it's not like you open the door and she's just standing there. Exactly. She's got to get off an elevator and hit her mark. So I bet you're right. It yeah. was for time. Yeah. That is the way that it is going to live in history. That mm-hmm. is we're saying it right now. That's what happened. Yeah. Um. So, okay, so that Miller, you know, like you said, he's described as sort of an empty headed pretty boy reporter. Um, He is upset because he was talking to his mother on Mother's Day and she basically was like, you're kind of a disappointment to me. Um, You are no longer my son. Um, Do you have that with uh, your family? I want to know because like you, you have siblings, right? I do. Yeah. No, I don't have that do with my know, family at all. Do you know all. where you are in sort of like the hierarchy of being liked? I feel mm, like I do. No. I feel like I do. I I, I don't. I, I feel like our parents love us all equally and don't judge any of us. They've always been really supportive of the decisions we've made in life in terms of oh, like. sure. I mean, the decisions know? I think is a separate thing. But in terms of like liking your kids, I feel like. I know with my family, like I know by default, my older brother, Jason, just gets more attention and is better liked because he does have more needs and he is sort of like, you know, he has special needs and stuff. So I got that. So growing up, it was always kind of like I knew I wasn't the special one. I knew I wasn't the Mm -hmm. most liked, quote unquote. So I had to like develop my own personality outside of my family because like. Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to get the attention, not so much not the love, but the attention that I think other kids get from their parents. So I fully related mm-hmm. to this. Like, my mom likes me, yes. And I think my mom, I think out of all of my brothers, I like to think I'm the coolest because I'm the only one that, like, left the house and, like, all of that, like, left St. Louis and stuff. But I know I'm not the most liked. <laughs> <laughs> That's – well, then you are you are indeed feeling the Miller feels. Yeah. Um, in his family, he's the only uh, one who's still single uh, and, as his mother puts it, is an idiot who works in TV. Um, I will also say in this opening scene where they're all at the news desk, this actor had to, like, sob uncontrollably for, like, four minutes mm-hmm. straight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of crosstalk. The actors are all talking. I'm like, how many times did they have to do this? But this actor just sobbing on. Do you know his work, Christopher Rich? He was also in um, Reba, which is one of my favorite sitcoms ever. You know, we're too I never watched Reba. Oh, my God. Reba is I do so know good. who Reba is, obviously. Oh, obviously. But Reba is such a good show. I wish one of the girls was on Reba because it would have like changed my life. Literally the, from the theme song, it's like up there with Golden Girls for me. It's a Reba song being like, I'm a survivor. And it's about that actor, Christopher Rich in this, who's Miller. He's the husband who leaves Reba, who then forces her to like start her new life and stuff. But they're like neighbors. And so he's on the show all the time. It's funny. You'll like it. He's very Stan-like in that way. He's very Stan-like. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do like the advice that Murphy gives to Miller, which is basically like, hey, like, 
you know, your value isn't based on what other people think of you. Like you can't control what your mother thinks. You can't make people love you. You can't make your mother love you. Like what's important is what you think about yourself. Yeah. Um. So Miller takes the night. The next day at the office, he says to everybody, like, you know what? Like, he's clearly taken in what Murphy said. He's like, you know, I do have good qualities. Mm. I am a good person. I'm never going to let my mother intimidate me again. Yes. And of course, in classic sitcom timing, the elevator doors open and out walks Rue to a thunderous applause, of course, yes. which they had to hear you know, that, yes. reshoot. Um, she's wearing... Her first outfit, this was the one that kind of gave me Barbara Thorndike yeah, vibes. She's uh-huh. got like a green pencil skirt and kind of the tight, very like fitted. matching suit jacket. Fitted, very fitted. She had like a sort of a pretty woman, maybe I'm at a derby kind yeah. of hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's there looking for her son. Miller, of course, flees into Murphy's office and begs her to help him. He's like, come do me a favor. Come out to see my mom. Pretend you're my friend, and like maybe she'll think I'm good enough. You know what and I love about like, Murphy's clearly office. does not like Miller. What I love about Murphy's office, I was obsessed as a kid with looking at Murphy Brown's office because every episode it would change. It was like a real office where she would move the Emmys around the room, and those were her like real Emmys. Oh, and that's fun. She would do like the the set dec- decorator would like do little things for like super fans of the show to notice, and there's like magazine covers of her and like pictures with like fake pictures of her with and it just I loved every time they go into Murphy's office I loved it I really appreciate that it reminds me of um I don't know if they did it if they still did it but I know early episodes of like the Goldbergs Adam Goldberg would take his real like vintage toys from the 80s <gasps> and he would set them up all over little apps Adam's room oh, so if you're so like watching cute. early seasons you can see his actual his actual like collector toys from his own childhood I also there, tried which is pretty cool I also tried with this episode this is like a bit of a side note but I remember in the late 90s you know when this was on and mid 90s I guess uh and they there was a moment where Candace Bergen cut her hair super short like super short yeah and it was a big big deal and she was like I'm in my 50s now I need to cut my hair short like it was like a big deal and I yeah, remember, like Felicity, please yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, cut it. It, it was it was a big deal. So now I'm watching her. I tried to find something on it, but like I couldn't find anything from Entertainment Tonight or something. Mm. I know it's out there. Yeah, I thought she looked great. Yeah. Um. So Murphy does not like Miller. And she's basically like, he's like, pretend to be my friend. He's like, she's like, no, he's like, OK, pretend that we're like friendly coworkers. And she's like, no, she's yeah. like, tell you what. I will stand next to you. And if your mother interprets that as anything less than like me being repulsed by you, then so be it. Such a B. Arthur thing to do. Oh, that's such a B. Arthur thing to do. Um, So uh, Miller and Murphy walk out of her office to greet uh, Rue. And uh, I think we have that scene. So let's play it. Mom, my God! Oh, oh. hello, dummy. Well, what are you doing here? Well, Miller, I've been feeling bad about our phone conversation the other night. You have? Yes, and uh, I don't like to think of myself as an unfair or judgmental person, so I decided to come up here and see for myself if your life really is the complete and total embarrassment. I know in my heart it is. Well, hey, any reason for a visit's a good one. (laughs) Hey, hey, Mom, listen, there's someone very special that I'd like for you to meet. Mom, meet... Murphy Brown. 
Well, now, there is no need to introduce me to the famous Murphy Brown. Now, I don't like most people on television, but you are the shining exception. I never miss one of your reports. I think you're terrific. Murphy and I are friends. <laughs> you two are friends? <laughs> you know, I must say I find that just a little surprising. The only other friend I remember Miller ever having as a boy was a stick. <laughs> Even gave it a name, didn't you? What was the name you had for that stick? Stick. <laughs> you always dummy. were a dummy. Like, <laughs> it's perfect. It is. I. I didn't. I, that was the one thing I didn't. I didn't like that she kept calling him dummy. It really? made me sad for him. Oh, see, no. It made no. me sad for him. This is the difference between. This is why she's drag. So. She, this character, I mean, it's very much a drag thing to do to be like, hey, bitch, like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, to me, even though she's not doing it in an endearing way, just someone saying hello, dummy, even if it's mean, is so funny. And it's just, it would be like a funny thing. Like, sometimes I'll do, I'll even do it to Michael sometimes. I'll admit that. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, dumbass. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just fun. I don't know. I love it. I love he, anytime you're like, oh, that's drag, just point it out because yeah. these moments are amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, Rue loves Murphy Brown because duh. So, of course, when Murphy says, you know, she's going out to lunch, Rue is like, well, we'll join you. Yeah. Um, and but before we get to that scene, I just want to jump to the end of this scene as they're walking to the elevator because the blow to the scene just made me laugh. Come on, let's go. You know, come to think of it, Miller did have one other friend after his first friend got chewed up by the neighbor's dog. <laughs> Remember that? Miller, it was a rock. What was the name you had for that rock? Stick. <laughs> I liked it. It's so good. <laughs> this show was, was so fun. It was like, that's what I loved about it. It was like smart. It was definitely a smart show, but it also allowed itself to lean into the slapstick absurdity of comedy, which is the perfect balance. It was, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the writing in this episode. Um, So Miller, Murphy, and Rue go to eat at Phil's, which is like, you know, it's the rusty anchor of the Murphy Brown, yeah. you know, world. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminded me of the Cheers bar. Yeah, it was very That's much sort of like what it that. Looked I like. mean, there was an ongoing gag for a long, long time that the place, because this show takes place in D.C., and there's um there was apparently the position of the restaurant Phil's or the bar Phil's is directly in the sunlight, like when during the day. So for years, they would always have this gag where someone would open the door and there'd be like this absurd amount of light coming in. Like it would be so jarring and everyone would be like, shut like the door! Like you're at like the heavenly gate. Yes, that's yeah. so funny. And it was just such a funny, and that's what I love. That's what I mean. She was meeting with presidents while having gags like that. Like it's just so good. It's so good. Those little details, like yeah. the thing about her office and the fact that they would, it is, it's like these little clever things that they were doing. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, uh, I, okay. So, so they're, they're sitting at Phil's, um, you know, they're ordering some food, they're having a chit chat. And I, I just pulled so many clips cause Rue had just such good <laughs> stuff in here. Um, so let's play the next, uh, Rue clip from their lunch conversation. <laughs> 
Murphy, I have to say, of all my sons, Miller is absolutely the last one I would have expected to have a friend of your obvious breeding and stature. I know. Sometimes I just have to pinch myself to make sure it's all real. It's all real. Oh, well, that's very nice of you to defend your friend like that, Murphy, but I still wouldn't put him in the same category as my son, Breen. Now, Breen is an entrepreneur whose company just made it into the Fortune 500. Hmm. Or Debbie, my daughter, the brain surgeon. Hmm. Or my oldest son, Robert, the actor. Robert. Oh, now, Miller, come on. He does run that lovely independent film festival out in Utah. And he's done so much good work on behalf of the environment. Are you telling me that your son, Miller's brother, is... Let's just say he'll always be Robert Redfield to me. I, I, I mean, even though it's absurd, it's so funny. Like, I didn't even know the well, Sundance Film Festival was around in the early 90s. Or mid-90s. Yeah, mid-90s. oh yeah, it's been, around for, it's been around for a while. Yeah, because I remember like um, Kevin Smith's clerks i think premiered there and clerks was probably like 94 yeah um what's funny is if it were blanche blanche would be lying and say that she slept with robert redford yes um i mean if it was blanche she'd be trying her son she'd be trying to sleep with miller like i mean it would she would find a reason it was she would be attracted to miller or she'd be she would be proud that someone as attractive as her created someone as attractive as miller so, okay, hang on a second. So what you are saying is that... <laughs> I would wait, say wait. that she probably it would is, have a but, moment where she would be like, I mean, if I did, if I wasn't his mother and I looked at him strangely, I'd consider it. Like, there'd be a joke there. There would okay. be a moment. But to be clear, you find it believable that Blanche, if Blanche had a young son... Uh-huh. yeah. She'd have a moment where she'd want to sleep with them, but no, Blanche I'm saying George Clooney, who's young enough to be her no, son, but no, no, isn't no. actually her son. No. She didn't want to sleep with him. I'm not saying she'd want to sleep with her son. I'm saying she would use it as a point of vanity to brag. She would she would find a reason to be like, I'm so attractive that I created a child that's just as attractive as me. And yes, I'd consider it. That's how attractive we are. That's what I'm saying. Mm, okay. Goes back to vanity. Goes back to vanity. All right. You you I'm gonna let you off on this one, but <laughs> she still wanted to sleep with George Clooney. <laughs> um should we should we take another uh quick break yes. and then keep on keep on this Murphy Brown train? Oh, I'm so ready! So Murphy comes up with an excuse to leave the lunch and Rue is like, you know, Miller, I know the two of you aren't friends. You know, Murphy acts uncomfortable every time you refer to her as your friend, you know, I'm on to you. And he's like, oh, man. And she's like, it's clear that you're lovers. And at first, Miller's like, no, 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 no. Until Rue goes, you know, that's a shame because I was really starting to like you. Yeah. And he's like, uh, yep, we're lovers. Um, It made me so sad for him. What a terrible yeah. mom. It doesn't make um, me sad for but him because also- I feel like he's just an idiot. Like, I mean, there's a, there's an easy way out of this. <laughs> Stand up to your mother. I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> I mean, even at the end of the scene, 
scene, if you watch the end of the scene, he goes, I love you, mom. And she makes a face yeah. like she has ashes in her mouth. Yeah, it's so good. That's why it's drag. Uh, <laughs> um, also, the word lovers being yeah. referred to in this way, it, it, no, I, nobody I'm sorry. I will really s- talks like that anymore. Every homosexual listening, I don't know if you can agree with me or not. I, I remember as a child growing up in the gay world, understanding my queerness and like being watching things in secret and sort of seeing the community and stuff. There was a point in the 90s, and I'm probably a long time before that, where queer people would describe each other as lovers. Like, where there's my lover, Jeffrey, or whatever it is. Every, I don't care, gay, straight, anything, it is creepy. Don't do it. It just, it's just, it just, it's icky. I don't want to know that at Wendy's if we're just having a casual conversation about a Frosty. I don't need to know that. Just say he's your boyfriend, he's your partner, he's your husband. Lie. Say he's your your. Listen to you, Valerie Cherish. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that. (laughs) Not in front of my Frosty. (laughs) So it's funny because, uh, I mean, no shame. If you call your significant otro or, like, lover, that's great. That's great for you. I'm shaming. I'm I'm clearly shaming this. Do not do it. The reason... I think the reason when I hear it, it gets under my skin a little bit is because the first time I ever heard those words uttered where someone being described as my lover was in my father, the hero with Catherine oh, Heigl and yeah. Gerard oh. Depardieu. If you remember Catherine in the trailer, he's was... not my father. Yeah. He's my lover, which is so disgusting. because so She's gross. like 16 and he's in his 50s. And she's talking about her. The whole movie. I mean, I loved it when I was a kid, but it's one of those movies where you oh, rewatch no. and you go, oh, I did not oh, love no. it as a kid. I remember thinking like this so, guy seems creepy. Her just referring to her dad as my lover is why that word is like to me. Like I have I the ashes in my mouth when I think about it. So the next scene is at Murphy's place yeah. where the staff is gathering for a story meeting. And you know what? I like that she hosts people. Do you know yeah. that during um, 30 Rock, Tina Fey used to have mm. the writers come over to her place like oh. and work late nights? Um, anyway, so that's, that's probably what it reminded a nice me apartment, of. too. I bet she has a nice place. Oh, my gosh. Right on Central Park, yeah. like gorgeous view. Yeah, yeah you know it. Um, everything's delivered. so everything's delivered doorman. Mm. Um, Miller brings his mom to the story meeting because, yeah. um, you know, she wants to get a peek at his, uh, love nest. Yeah. She said, I want to get a peek at you and Murphy's love nest. Yeah. Um, in this scene, Rue's outfit feels like way more blanche. She's got this like hot pink jacket like silky sort of jacket with these bright green pockets it was like she looked like in the golden girls the scene where her and rose are doing the sexy dance in the living room and i think rose is wearing that like bright green and bright pink um and they have an exchange miller and his mom in the, the beginning of this scene that we have to play yeah. Uh, but remember, Mom, I'm trying to keep this whole office romance thing a secret. Hey, don't you worry about me. I can keep my mouth shut. Look how long I kept it from you that the neighbor's dog ate your goldfish. Wait, I thought you told me you gave stick to SeaWorld. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is what happened. <laughs> I- now, I know they always say the rule of threes with comedy. This yeah. stick runner 
was so funny. Enough yeah. time had passed, but I forgot about it. But as soon as she said the word goldfish, I was like, oh, dear God, please let it be named Stick. <laughs> and then the way he said Stick to SeaWorld, yeah. I was like, this is brilliant. I do want to say something about Murphy's house. So, like, a more Murphy Brown love here because it has nothing to do with this episode. But yes. So Murphy Murphy Brown's house had always been, they separated her lives in different ways, right? So like she had her office way where she was like the boss, the celebrated journalist, she's the star. And then at Phil, she was just like one of the gang. She's just sort of that. And then at home, she had, she was always inept. There was always something. She was always so busy with her life and everything happening that like she never learned how to cook. So there'd always be episodes about her not knowing how to cook. And famously, she never could be satisfied with the job her painter did. So she basically just like had her painter be like a live-in, not live-in, but like he was a he was there every single day painting for like seven seasons or something. I don't know when, I don't know when he stopped being on the show, but there was like, and he, he the actor um, was Robert Pastorelli and he died uh, in 2004. But he, he had, he had sort of an ongoing part where he was always, and he would babysit her son and he was like kind of like the father of the sun and they, that relationship was just like, yeah, she paid him to be there, but he was just always around. So like so many of the episodes is about her being like kind of inept at life in a way, like being bad at life, mm -hmm. being perfect outside the house, like celebrated star, but in the house, she can't do shit. What a well-balanced character. Yeah. Yeah. That's and so, and all so of this unique. Is so, so unique so good. for TV yeah. because usually it was, they either had to be one of everything. Like Roseanne had to be, middle class kind of messy mom like that's she couldn't be perfect at anything or like so yeah. they didn't really have those kind of characters that like had that sort of multifaceted weirdness about them yeah yeah i it, it is she's a very like three-dimensional amazingly flawed real mm -hmm. person um so uh murphy uh you know she brings out her she brings out like you said she's a terrible cook like terrible eggs terrible sausages everything yeah. she's got a little apron on and she's like you know i'm not a restaurant it's all so so funny yeah um she disappears into the kitchen rue goes to use the powder room and now miller has to tell the rest of the staff that his mom thinks that he and murphy are lovers um everyone else is like this is a terrible idea. Yeah. Miller's like, no, 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 I've got it covered. Except he doesn't, and it gets much worse. Much worse. And we we have the clip to uh, to illustrate. Miller, did you know there's a little boy upstairs? Oh! <laughs> I mean, there is? Yes, Murphy has a little boy upstairs. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't I tell you? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I didn't tell you because... Because... <laughs> because Murphy and I have been secretly married for years and that little boy up there is my son. Oh. <laughs> okay, the sausages are ready. They, they, they turned out a little runny, too. I think there's something wrong with the oven. <laughs> thank you, Murphy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You like him like that, huh? Well, there's a whole lot more. I'll just go fish them out of the garbage disposal. <laughs> You have blessed my family. From your loins has sprung an heir. What are you talking about? Now, you know I'm talking about the fact that you and me... Oh, my God! Mom! Mom, you've got something on your cheek. What? What? Where? Which one? Oh, uh, well, it's just... It's, it's... It's... I mean, he was so pathetic in... 
I mean, you feel sorry for Miller. I think he's pathetic. I I feel for him. I just I feel for him. That's all. Because here's the thing. Oh, first of all, the loins. You know, yeah. if you ask Rose, you know Blanche's loins can speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I thought, oh man, Rue's gonna be pissed when he delivers this news because like she never knew she had a grandson. Yeah. Or her her you know her son got married and she wasn't there. She's yeah. gonna be so devastated. But instead, her selfish inner Blanche comes out and she hugs Murphy. She's like, thank you. I mean, I love it. I love it. You know, she just wants to go home and brag to her friends that her son married the Murphy Brown. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Rue goes up to the bathroom to investigate this mysterious thing on her cheek. And Murphy's like, um, why was my mom talking about your loins? (laughs) Um, Miller, finally, he comes clean to Murphy about everything. And she's pissed. And she's like, you go tell your mom right now. Tell her the truth or I will kill you. So Miller finally comes clean. And by Miller, I mean Murphy who reveals all because Miller still doesn't have the guts to do it. Yeah. Um, and here's Mama Rue's reaction to learning the truth. Miller, is this true? Yes, Mother, it's true. Well, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, well, I, I'm shocked. I am outraged. But mostly, I'm relieved. Huh? What? Uh, Miller, this woman is a filthy slob. You ought to see that kitchen. Now, hold on a second. When I was upstairs, I took a little peek inside her bedroom closet. You looked inside my closet? You bet I did, because closets never lie. And yours says, piggy, piggy, piggy. (laughs) Piggy, piggy. Wait, no, I have to ask you. So, you have a child. So, I mean, clearly, inherently, I feel like that it just goes with the territory that things are sometimes messy just because there's a child around. But... Do you keep a clean closet or bathroom or like, you know, the personal areas? Um, yeah. I mean, our closets, I will say right now, our closet in the bedroom, Stan recently like organized his. I I still have like bags of baby clothes that don't fit little Oreo anymore that I have to like do something with. Um, but no, there's no like real messy place. I'm very, I went from being as a child I was the messiest kid messy desk messy room messy locker now where I am always cleaning so I find time to clean um so no I wouldn't say that there's anywhere messy because I have a child but you know there is crayon you know drawn onto the floors right now and of course well that's a different kind of mess that's a domestic that's an unavoidable mess I uh, well, I, I've struggled with this over the years because I I am a clean person, I would say. I'm a clean person. Um, I love to vacuum. I love straightening up. I love cleaning a kitchen. I love all of those things. However, I have a tolerance for mess that is actually intolerable in that I don't mind cleaning and I will clean, but I also don't mind if something becomes messy. And so... Because of that, our closet is a complete shit show. It is on a level of shit show that I don't think it's like it's it's almost worse than a dorm room. It is kind of insane because we kind of treat our bedroom as sort of like a well, no one but us comes in here. Let's just fuck it up. 
So we fuck up the bathroom. We There's clothes all over the bathroom. There's clothes all over the bedroom. It's everywhere. But in the main areas, with the exception of, like, my desk, everything is pretty much, and the table, the kitchen, the dining room table is, like, constantly packed with stuff. Always, always, always. But everything is pretty much organized. So, like, we keep our mess hidden. If you will, just like Monica Geller, she had that one closet. Yeah. Yes. That yes. Was, yes. Was, our bedroom is mess. the Monica Geller closet. In that we're yeah. just kind of like this is our area. We close that door. It's uh, it's Michael, myself, and Fraser, and everything happens in that room that no one else needs to see. So let's fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, I I hear you in like, yeah. There there will be certain areas. I think too because Stan's a little bit of a neat freak. Like. Mm. I'm okay with dishes in the sink. I would let Same. dishes be in the sink all day and Same. just assume at the end of the day. But like Stan won't want to cook unless all the dishes are clean. Mm. So I don't want to stress him out with dishes in the sink. So if they are in the sink, even if I'm totally fine, for me, I want clean counters. I wipe crumbs, stains, anything yes. off the counters. I can't see into the sink. It's like a farmer's. Oh, it's yeah. like a deep yeah. sink. Uh-huh. I'm fine. It's like... We're no the much, same no way. Fuss, I can't see you. We're the same way. There is something that when you are in a relationship with someone, you learn certain things about them. Now, yes. I don't mind certain dishes being in the sink dirty, like like a coffee mug or like a like a bowl of cereal. Because when I put it in the sink, I rinse it out, and it just sort of lives in the sink until it's time for me to load the dishwasher. Always rinse. always, always rinse. rinse. Always rinse. Always rinse. Always rinse. Now, Michael. Michael loves pasta, loves pasta. That's his, his Same. Whole, it's the only thing he can cook is pasta. And he loves pasta with like lots of Parmesan cheese. Yes. If you put a dish in the sink that has Parmesan cheese in it and you do not rinse it, it becomes the most foul smelling thing you will ever encounter. Parmesan cheese is actually a stink bomb. I've decided. Uh, you know, I it's it really only takes a second to just run a little bit of water. That's over what I'm it. saying. And then he yeah. will be like, "Oh, but you have your mugs in there." And I'm like, "That's different. It's just tea. There's no dairy. There's no." And there was and there was rinsing. And there was rinsing involved. So there's no leftover foul smell to grow, whereas Parmesan grows in foulness. Yeah, I don't like to pick sides with the two of you. I love you both very much. <laughs> I am a little bit picking a side in this situation because yeah. it only takes a second. It only takes a second. Yes. It only takes a second. Don't yeah. tell Michael I said any of this. I won't. He doesn't listen. So <laughs> one thing I was hoping for in this Rue scene when she goes, well, I don't know what to say. Um, I was like stunned. Say it. Stunned. I'm yeah. stunned. Yeah. I was waiting for stunned. <laughs> This I'm could, absolutely you know what? this could done. be this could be her story on this episode could be a Blanche extension story if the character was just changed completely. And technically CBS maybe did have the rights to the character because CBS was where Murphy Brown lived and that's where the Golden Palace lived. So I'm just saying perhaps Miller just could have been Buster, one of her sons, who became an anchor. And Skippy, Blanche, the one, exactly. my son Skippy, I brought him home from yeah. the hospital in that towel. It could have been Skippy. And he changed his name to Miller to be a serious journalist. You would kind of expect him to be an attractive dummy, you know. And she hit it rich after selling the hotel or something. And so she looks this way because of that. And boom, there you go. It's a Blanche extension story. I just wrote fan fiction that I crossed over Murphy Brown oh. and the Golden Girls. Wow, that was hats off. Hats clapping. off. Hats off. Tiny clap. Hats off. <laughs> so Rue 
goes on, just goes on to rail on Murphy for being messy and saying like Miller can totally do better than her. And here's the part I really liked about this episode. In this moment, for the first time, Miller stands up to his mom, mm-hmm. but not because she's railing on him, because she says, even a dummy like you can do better. Yeah. It's because she's railing on Murphy. Exactly. And, and he respects Murphy. He, yes. And he's like, you know, I would be lucky to be her husband. If something stupid like a messy kitchen makes you think otherwise, then I don't care what you think, mm-hmm. which I love. Like he's he he's able to finally stand up to his mother. You're right. It's because he respects Murphy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she says, Rue says, you know, none of my other kids have talked to me this way, mm-hmm. but maybe that's not because you're like my other kids. And then she goes on to call him dumb. She's still insulting him. And so she sort of ends this whole thing by saying like, okay, maybe it's just best that you live your life the way that you want and I'll just make the best of it. Yeah. But then she's like, she still asks if she can go home and tell her friends that he's married to Murphy. Mm-hmm. Like even as all I wanted, all I wanted was like a little bit of like, I just wanted her to redeem herself just a little bit. Just say yeah. one little thing that like, you know, like be, can't you be proud that your son nah, stood up to nah, you? I I'm just, glad I she wanted didn't. that. I'm glad I she did. It just, it just, you know, I, I like, I like a character that doesn't need that growth. It's a, that is just, is the character. And you know what? Again, another Murphy backstory. Murphy's mother was also like this. They did mm. not have a good relationship. And there's one episode where they did come to bond, but they did not have a good relationship. And the, her mother was very similar in this situation where like, you know, she, her, it didn't seem like her mother liked Murphy. Well, I feel like the, the sort of final moment between Miller and Murphy maybe reflects Murphy's relationship with her own mother. Cause Miller's like, after all this, Miller's like, you still want to kill me? And Murphy goes, nah, with a mother like that, it's clear you've suffered a lifetime. But then and he like, wants to sleep with her. Then he, then he like flirts with her or something. Like it's very well, weird. Well, he, yeah, it was a little weird. He said something like, you want to go wake out? But he was like, ah, and she was like, ah, so <laughs> yeah. whatever. And then the, the, and ep- that's- the episode ends. But another thing about Murphy Brown that I loved, which I think is the reason why it had difficulty streaming for all those years, is that it would always put like a popular song, I think at the beginning, it never had really a theme song. It was always a popular song at the beginning end with like a montage of something they were discussing, either like, you know, vintage pictures or baby pictures or like a song. She was really into Aretha Franklin. So there'd be a lot of Aretha Franklin songs. Like there's lots of, a lot of times songs in, in the end credits or beginning credits of Murphy Brown as well. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, that was the episode. I, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I was so satisfied with the amount of screen time that Rue had. I feel like the rest of the cast was probably happy to like take a week where they didn't have a lot to do. Yeah. Happy to have somebody of Rue McClanahan's caliber on their show to just watch her work. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, yeah, it was such an absolute joy and treasure to watch. Literal joy. So much fun. Should we take a break and come back with a golden takeaway? Yes, we should. And you guys want to stick around for the golden takeaway because I, Carrie doesn't know this yet, but you all will be, yeah, she does. You will be involved in the next episode we decide to re- do a rewind of. So stick around. Don't turn off now. You have to come back for the golden takeaway. 
We are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your lives or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what is your golden takeaway from this fantastic episode of Murphy Brown? My golden takeaway is really just echoing what Murphy said, which is, you know, you can't make people love you. You can't, you know, just like do you Mm -hmm. just do you Mm -hmm. like, you know, don't, don't, don't try to live your life trying to make other people happy, trying to satisfy other people, trying to get the acceptance of other people. If they're not giving it to you, then they're just not worth having in your life. And it's so true. Yeah, it really, it just really, when Murphy said that, I was like, yeah, you know, that's, we got to stop chasing cars. Yeah, it's something that you learn as you get older, but I think it's really important. You know what I mean? Like, I've always kind of had that. I remember I had that in high school when people didn't really, they thought it was like weird or loud or queer or whatever. And I was just like, well, you just don't get it. So fuck you. Um, And that's what I think most people should be like. Fuck you. I'm living my own life. Yes. And you know what? My my golden takeaway is a two-parter. The second part of my golden takeaway is um, that if you guys are planning to go to golden con (laughs) (laughs) you need to get your tickets because age allen scott slash sadie pines and myself will be there and we're gonna have outfits planned it is march 31st through april 2nd in chicago you can get tickets at thank you for being a fan.com and um it's just gonna be Oh, it's going to be it's such gonna a be blast. So, so be sure to get your tickets if you're going. fun. We're doing a live recording of the podcast. We'll have clips. We'll have special guests. It's going to be so much fun. Go to thankyouforbeingafan.com. Get your tickets. You want to go and meet us. And I will be there with many different looks. Just saying. Um, my golden takeaway from this episode is I think there should be more fucked up mothers out there. I think there should be more nasty mommies out there. Because I feel like we see all these portrayals of just sort of like the loving mother and everything, but I feel like so many people have complicated relationships with parents that aren't always sunshiny and beautiful. I know my mother had a really complicated relationship with her mother. I don't have a complicated, I have a wonderful relationship with my mother, but I like that, like, I feel like a lot of times dads get sort of like the, oh, the bad dad, the the distant dad or whatever, but then I feel like there's not a lot of complicated portrayals of moms out there, and I feel like there should be because, you know, it's a, it's a lot to put on uh, the whole women community of moms that they all have to be perfect and brilliant and nice and loving and wonderful and you like all your kids equal when you you know you know you don't always like you don't always love all your kids equal like it's normal I don't know I think there should be more complicated mommy portrayals out there and Blanche was always that oh always 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 she was always a complicated confused mom who didn't think she knew what she was doing and I loved that about her character and so this is a very fitting character for her um so the thing that I teased in the last segment about the next episode so it's either the next episode or the one after I forget the timing but you guys so we're doing rewinds and we love going back and revisiting iconic episodes of the golden girls it we did the pilot and it brought us so much joy so we're going to be doing a lot more of that sometimes with guests sometimes with not just sometimes just us it's going to be really fun and we wanted you guys to maybe be in on what episodes we should choose. So we're going to ask you guys to send us suggestions of episodes. Like give us two or three that you think are amazing. We'll create a poll. We'll pick four. And then on like Instagram or something, you guys, or Twitter or whatever, we'll do a full poll with like four episodes that we might do. And that'll be the ones we'll do on the next few episodes. So you can contact us at out on the Lanai 
Uh, what's our email? Out on, I don't even know our email. Oh my God, what's our email? Out on the Lanai podcast at gmail.com or Instagram or Twitter. You can DM us or you can go to our website and leave a message on our website. Like there's all different ways to contact us. You know how to contact people. So let us know the episodes you want us to do a rewind of and we will likely be doing it, which is so exciting. Aren't you excited, Carrie? I'm so excited. Yeah, we'll take, um, you know, yeah, give us your suggestions. What do you want to see? We'll kind of pick a few that are popular. We'll put up uh, polls and then whichever episode everybody votes on, that's going to be the rewind yeah. that we do. And maybe that'll just be the way we do rewinds. From I now love on. that. I because actually really like that we let the fans pick. I think that is so important because like we, of course, there are so many iconic episodes, but like I love the idea of like an entire community of GGs out there loving this podcast and loving the Golden Girls and deciding which ones that they want to all come together and have a rewatch of. So let's do it. I love it. Let us yeah, know. I absolutely us. love that idea. Um, and everyone, that's been another episode of Out in the Lanai or Oodle. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. And we will catch you back here next week for more Golden Girls greatness. And of course, we are now a part of Mom Podcast. That's Moguls and Media Podcast, where you can find us. You can find us on social media in all of the other places at Twitter on Golden Girls Pod, Instagram at Out on the Lanai Official, Golden Girls Pod on Facebook. And I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott on everything. And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get this podcast because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely community, a uh, kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. And as always, remember, stay, stay golden! golden. Ah, dummy. <laughs>